0: Remain standing as we read our gospel lesson this morning. It comes from, it's a continuation of the agricultural parables that we've been going through in the lectionary the past several weeks. And it comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. And your bulletin doesn't say this, but we're also going to read verses 36 through 43. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, then, do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Recently... I have found that I have connected with this parable in a spiritual sense, but I've also connected with it in something of a practical, real-life sense. I don't know about you, but we have reached a segment of summer where I feel like the grass in our yard is growing at its most rapid rate, which actually doesn't altogether bother me. I'm probably in the minority on this one, but I actually really enjoy cutting grass. I did it just yesterday. It's one of the few instances in my life where I get to look at the task before me, do said task, watch the progress in real time, and when it's done, there is no questioning myself as to whether or not I'm finished or if I did a good job. With the speed at which grass grows this time of year, there are moments though where two days after you cut it, you look out at your yard and think, I just cut the grass. Why does it look like it hasn't been cut in a month? On the other hand, I love cutting grass, but I have not always loved other parts of lawn maintenance. Weed-eating has been a struggle for most of my life because being six foot seven inches tall and having, honestly, relatively short arms, I have to hunch my back to use a standard weed-eater, which leads to weed-eater-induced back pain. It was a really good excuse there for a while. It's probably more than you care to know, too. I somewhat actually recently, in recent years, fell in love with weed-eating a couple years ago after I got a big and tall version of a weed-eater for Christmas. Well, somewhat recently, the weed-eater got jammed up and had been out of commission. I will embarrassingly admit that in this case, my definition of somewhat recently is about a year ago, and I got it unjammed last week. So in the meantime, I have mainly been mowing over parts of our lawn where weeds grow. So weeds have been treated like grass. The lead up to our front door has a walkway of stones. Each stone there is in a couple feet wide rectangle, about this big, probably. Well, in about a year's time that I have been mowing over the weeds instead of weed-eating them on these stones, a mostly weed and little grass combo has grown over the stones and begun to obscure them where you may only see a few inches of the stone. They're about this big now. Well. After my weed eater was back in service, one of the first things that I wanted to do was to uncover the stone walkway to our front door. So I picked one stone in the middle to get to work on. When I say that weeds are really covering these stones, they were, now they were short weeds because they had been mowed over for a year, but they had some good weed coverage on them. They were in every crack, hugging them like vines. They were present. To uncover them, I really needed to do some heavy duty weed eating, go over it a lot of times, get in the cracks and really get up under the weeds. It took several minutes to get one uncovered, but when I got it uncovered, it looked good. I will fly over the part of the story that at the very end of the very first one that I uncovered, the top of the weed eater broke, and so now I have another little repair to make, and in the meantime, only have one uncovered stone on our walkway. But you bet, it is a really good-looking stone. Well, it was a really good-looking stone until a couple days later. I walked outside to head to the church and realized that my masterpiece of a stone was now encircled by three or four inches of dead grass. What I hadn't realized was that the heavy duty work that I did to get rid of the weeds also did damage to the good grass that was growing around it. And making my human decision, Of getting rid of what I deemed bad, I did harm to the good and found this parable to be brought to life anew." This parable is commonly recognized, though it is not a parable that has a consistent popular or recognizable consensus on what it is called. A difference that it has with some of its parable peers, like the parable of the Good Samaritan, the prodigal son, the mustard seed. I actually really kind of like that about this parable. You may have heard me say before that I don't love calling parables by names that aren't in the text. It can shape the way that we read them and limits us in using the imagination that Jesus invites us to use in telling these open-ended parables. But, The reality is that names can make things easier from time to time, and it can feel unavoidable. Like, when someone asked me this week what I was preaching on, answering the parable of the wheat and the weeds was a lot easier and probably more hospitable than responding Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, as if everyone has the chapters and verses of the Bible and what they're attached to memorized. Our Pew Bibles, if you look at them, would answer that question, or the NRSV would answer that question, that it's the parable of the weeds among the wheat. Other versions call it the parable of the wheat and the tares. Even further, some versions go all negative and call it the parable of the weeds or the parable of the tares. Regardless of how you want to recognize this parable or don't want to recognize it, The presence of the weeds is an essential part of its makeup and the lessons that we can gain from it. So we may ask the question, what exactly is a weed? Which, sidebar, I learned this week that when researching on the internet about weeds, that that is research that you must do with great care and attention to what you're searching. The US Bureau of Land Management opens its section about weeds and invasive species with the sentence the term weed means different things to different people. You bet it does. (laughs) But it goes on to define weeds in the broadest sense it is any plant growing where it is not wanted. Weeds can be native or non native, invasive or non invasive, and noxious or not noxious, any plant growing where it is not wanted. The states of Colorado, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Montana, Ohio, West Virginia, and Wyoming all consider the oxeye daisy, a beautiful wildflower used in floral arrangements around here, to be noxious weeds that are restricted in their use. Fun fact, in the state of Alabama, turnips, garlic, onions, plantains, and radishes are on the noxious weeds list and you are restricted in your use of them. Now you know. Interestingly, it's noted that over 50% of plants that grow somewhere in America are considered undesirable to some significant part of the population. I was having lunch with one of our faithful church members, Blair Bingham, earlier this week, and we were talking about this parable, and he said something that absolutely knocked me off my feet. He said, the most beautiful rose bush is a weed if it's planted in a cornfield. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that a weed is a plant whose virtues have yet to be discovered. Both of those reminded me of something that Reverend Jim Somerville said. There is more evil in the best of us and more good in the worst of us than any of us will ever know. The saintliest saints among us have the capacity to be weeds. And by the grace of God, even those that we see as the worst can transform into wheat. It has been long believed by scholars that in this parable from Jesus, the weed that the enemy plants in the field is a plant by the name of the bearded darnel. The bearded darnel has often been called false wheat or cheat wheat or even wheat's evil twin. It's a plant that grows, uh, that, that above ground grows and looks identical to wheat. Really, the only way to tell the difference is when they get to the harvest, when in the spring they are both matured. At the very end of the growing season, the wheat will have a very heavy growth and bear fruit, the grain, while the bearded darnel will be light at the top and lack substance. It lacks fruit. The seeds at the top of the bearded darnel can actually be toxic. Meanwhile, underground, a different story is playing out. The bearded darnel's root system becomes very invasive. It grows and intertwines with the roots of the wheat until it gets to a point to where they are basically sharing a root system. If the master and his workers go to pull out the weeds, pull out the bearded darnels, as they ask, When they uproot the weeds, they will also uproot the wheat. Getting rid of the undesired weeds, getting rid of the bad stuff, also destroyed the good that we could grow. Perhaps Jesus is telling us that in this weeding, the evil is destroyed, but so is the good Perhaps Jesus is telling us that it's better to have a wheat field with weeds in it than it is to have a field with nothing at all. It is not that God likes the weeds or evil in the fields, because God doesn't. It's that God has a different plan for the way that the weeds will be taken care of at the harvest. In doing so, God is telling us, That our role is not the role of judgment and trying to banish what we deem to be evil or weeds. Our role is to focus on the wheat. Our role is to focus on the good. Our role is to make sure that the good grows and bears fruit, and that it is not uprooted. I've been thinking about this parable a lot in the context of John Wesley's three simple rules for the people called Methodists. They were, do no harm, do good, and attend to the ordinances of God. I would guess that this parable was not the explicit reason and explanation for the first two rules, but you could most certainly argue a justification that it is perhaps the perfect model for them especially in the order that John Wesley puts the rules in. First, do no harm. Second, do good. By not yanking the weeds and doing damage to the wheat, the parable gives this tangible example of doing no harm. It's this example that if we focus on what's bad or what's wrong with our field or our world, That we are likely to destroy some good stuff in the process. Second, do good. The parable tells us to let the plants grow until the harvest. And at harvest time, God will offer judgment. But we do the work of letting them grow together. We do the work of making sure that the wheat gets to the harvest. We come alongside God as the Spirit grows the wheat to where it bears fruit. We focus on the wheat. We focus on the good. We focus on helping things grow. We pour our energy into life and light. For good wheat bearing great fruit can help to bring more good wheat and bring more Fruit. This parable often gets lumped into some fire and brimstone messages and can feel a little frightening, but I think it's actually a great word of good news. It is a word of hope, it's a word of freedom for joyful obedience. We are freed in knowing that by bearing fruit at the harvest, we will shine like the sun in the kingdom of God. We are freed in knowing and hearing the good news that defeating evil is not our job, but God has a plan for that. We are freed in knowing and granted great hope in knowing that we can focus on doing good things, that we can focus on showing weeds what being wheat is really like. We can focus on growing, on giving, on doing good We can focus on doing the good of feeding a hungry person. We can focus on doing the good of being the light of Christ and being a friend to a lonely person. We can focus on doing the good of bearing fruit and bringing fruit wherever we go. We can focus on showing the weeds what it's like to be wheat. And that is a beautiful opportunity. The final freeing and life-giving piece of this parable is that we serve a God that does miracles, a God that is in the business of transformation. We serve a God that is committed to bringing light to darkness, a God that has, is, and will bring good to evil. In focusing on the wheat and in focusing on doing good, we can embrace the opportunity of not getting in God's way. We embrace the opportunity of not getting in the way of transformation. By being wheat that does good and bears fruit, maybe we will see that even the weeds want to become wheat. Maybe we can work with God to help a weed discover its virtue. And by the miraculous grace of God, maybe we will experience the joy of watching God perform miracles by changing weeds into wheat, even before the harvest. May it be so. Amen.